Hello and welcome to Dad and Sons, your number one source for crusty curmudgeons. My name is George Weedman, and we've also got the lovely Matt Visual and Liam Edwards with us as uh, as usual. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing good. Tired. Tired. We're recording yeah. this a little bit later in the day today. Yeah. We're finally recording tonight. it early for me, so I'm happy. Oh. Usually we do <laughs> 11 p.m. Japan time, fresh and early, 9 a.m. in the morning, <laughs> Trump land time. And uh, the reason we're doing it differently this time is because we're all about to travel to go see our families next week. We're all going to be tied up. So we thought instead of staying a week behind the news, we would uh, sum up the whole year in in news. That way we won't be too far behind when this thing comes out because we'll have a wider <laughs> sample pool from which to, uh, to, to mine our relevancy and our timeliness with. Can we predict so, like, um, next week's news from here? What do you reckon the end of 2017 Bonanza would be? What kind of crazy story will happen now between when this goes live and when we're on holiday? A higher internet bill. Oh no. Oh no. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> um, um, besides oh, no. that though, we've uh, we've got some of our favorite games, some of our least favorite games, some really wacky stories we want to talk about. We're going to be breaking uh, this podcast up into two segments. The first for thirty minutes, we're going to talk about stories and games that did not personally affect us so much as it did other people. For the next half of the podcast, we're going to be talking about our own personal, like weirdest, wildest, favorite stories from twenty seventeen. That's going to be called our uh, our, our personal high highlight of the year not necessarily game of the year story of the year or um i don't know restaurant of the year but but our highlight of the year so <clears throat> before we get started on all of that i'm going to propose a huge big ass topic that was uh that was a really important good 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 news story that year and that is the japanese games got real good again they did holy and shit and i wonder how that happened yeah in in previous years, especially around like the turn of the PS3 generation, the Japanese game industry just seemed to be like behind. I I don't know. There was like a lot of remember when Phil Fish was getting in trouble? And there was so much anger over his um comment over over Japanese games like kind of sucking right now. Yeah. And that was uh I believe that was made in like 2011 going on 12, but it was very much following a a years long wave in which like stuff like Blue Dragon and Eternal Sonata were coming out on Xbox 360 first, give or take a decade. Wow, that situation has totally reversed over the past uh past uh, four or five years or so, and this year is like the definitive example of just like how high quality uh games in Japan are getting compared to years past. It almost feels like the the glorious return to to super cool exciting kind of like culturally different and wacky japanese games that that remind me of the late 90s that's a good feeling liam you live in japan why do you think japanese games got real good this year um i don't think it's necessarily that they got good this year i think you have to look at it in terms of how long games take to make right Mm -hmm. games take three to four years some games even longer especially in the Japanese development cycle because most of the games come from big companies like Capcom, uh, Nintendo, Konami, Atlas. The games come from those big companies and usually big companies have a long development cycle. I mean, look at Final Fantasy XV, for example. That took, God, what, 10 years, 12 years to make? Oh, God. And I remember the ads in Japan were just like (laughs) black walls of text with white letters that were just like saying, this took forever, guys. Trust us. Yeah. So (laughs) I think you have to look at... so weird seeing that. I think you have to look at how long it it takes to make games because there was a certain 
period in the 90s when Japanese games were on top alongside PC games. And that was kind of like what everyone was playing. There was RPGs, there was platformers. They were all fantastic and it's what we sort of remembered. Then there was this switch to 3D where I think Japan dominated for a while in the early PlayStation days and the early N64 days um, where Nintendo and Square Enix and Sony were dominating the market. Then there was this almost tetatonic shift towards where Western developers started to be able to make PC ports and stuff like that to consoles and then the console market started to become dominated by games like GTA and stuff like that. So it was like the Japanese market had to sort of change their perspective and that took a while before they could mm, make yeah. games like that. But then we hit the Because P- PC gaming was... Yeah. Because PC gaming was like never a thing in, in Japan. Yeah. So like that was a huge market of ready-made console gaming ports exactly. that, that Westerners had that Japan uh, Japanese gamers kind of kind of didn't necessarily have as as big a library to just port over when the consoles got good enough to port over computer games. Exactly. And, like, in the terms of, like, making a game, it, I mean, as I said, it, it takes so long, like, three to four years. That is, like, a huge amount of time in video games. Like, if you think about what got released this year that w- had started development three or four years ago, and you think about what games were coming out then, so that's what they were looking at as their sort of oh, this is what we need to emulate kind of thing. So they were looking at the open world games of like The Witcher 3 and stuff like that. You can see it in games like Breath of the Wild from Nintendo. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's like they had the hangover of the PS3 where they never quite got development right because the game started at the end of the PS2 era. The development, the PS3 was notoriously difficult to to develop for. And the Xbox never took off in Japan, so no one was really developing for it apart from Sakaguchi, who made games like <laughs> uh, Lost Odyssey and stuff like that, which yeah. turned out great, but didn't sell very well. Um, no. So the the Xbox, which was basically you know the biggest console of the last generation, never really took off in Japan, so no one really developed for it. The only big companies developed like ports, like the Final Fantasy XIII port and stuff like that for... <gasps> that console so there was like this and that massive time's hangover up, i think that time's up with that like window i was talking about like from ps3 launch 2006 up to like 2011 like like right the the tail end of this like huge stretch of japanese games being kind of behind like like seems to stop around 2012 i remember um yeah like the wii u like the wii u had had an, an amazing lineup of 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 really like weird, obviously Japanese-made games starting around 2012 that were just like stellar in comparison. I feel like that's when, that's when you started to see quality make the switch again back over yeah, to the eastern side. It's really side. strange because I think we're looking we're looking at it kind of from a Western point of view, where oh there yeah. were there were very little Japanese games on the Xbox 360. Well, that's because Japanese companies don't really look outside of Japan anyway. Even big companies so, like Nintendo don't look outside of their core audience in Japan. So if developers see that the Xbox wasn't doing very well in Japan, well, they're not going to develop for it. So then they're only developing for the PS3, and then we know how that turned out, because the PS3 was not an easy console to develop for. I guess my current theory right now, my current theory right now is that (laughs) this is going to sound like a huge, it's going to tickle the fanboys and sound like the most childish thing I've said in years, but I'm getting the impression that the PS4 saved Japanese gaming. I think is that, is that an exaggeration? I, I think that's or a little bit think... of an exaggeration to okay. an extent, but it's definitely easier to develop for, and also it sold incredibly well in yeah, Japan. Yeah, it's stupidly anyway. popular. Whereas the Wii U didn't sell very well, and there was like a a whole host of 
Japanese games for the Wii U. You know, we're looking at like the Fire Emblem Cross Shin Megami Tensei game. There was um, uh, there was like games uh, like you know Bayonetta and stuff like that that appeared on the Wii U that didn't appear in anywhere else. There was a lot of Japanese games specifically for the Wii U, but obviously even in Japan the Wii U didn't sell very well. So there was this sort of stagnation for that generation. And then when the PS4 came along and everyone was like, well, we need to shift our development to PlayStation 4. Oh, look, it, you know, it uses like Unreal 4 and we can use this and it's a lot easier. Oh, look, everyone's buying it. Oh, look, Japanese gaming is saved. And then the Switch came along and now everything is, you know, hunky-dory. So I think it was just... Oh, yeah. And I, I don't think it was that Japanese that, that's games That's going to be a big topic later. I don't, I don't think it was that Japanese games got bad. I just think it got really difficult for Japanese developers to get to their core audience because they made predictions that turned out to be wrong. Like, who would have thought the Wii U would only sell, what, 4 million units or whatever dumb number it was? Who would have thought the PlayStation like... 3 would turn out to be really hard to uh, program for? And who would have thought that the Xbox 360 would become really popular worldwide, just not in Japan? So I think their predictions were wrong. I don't think it was necessarily that Japanese games got bad. I got you. I got you. I don't. I don't think I was that wrong. I mean, no, there I th- seems I to be like think... a, co- a correlation and a tie between like how well the current PlayStation console of whatever era is doing, and like how high the review scores are for the 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 big ticket Japanese games coming out those years. Exactly, and I think one one thing Japanese games have always suffered from is their scope. Like, if you look at games like Xenoblade Chronicles, they're just notorious for just being so huge and just completely out of their scope compared to other games as well like even if you look at games like the witcher 3 which are huge games but the scope is always very much like you know one two three huge areas that you can explore but they they always know what to stick to whereas japanese developers just like they fucking go ham and they just make these huge maps and they just fill it with tons of stuff to do like side quests that go on forever so with the PlayStation 4, it was like, oh, we finally have the sort of hardware to be able to just do what we want. And it won't cost us that much, um, or it won't be so difficult to actually implement this time. And then we've seen, you know, games like Yakuza 0 and Neo Automata, like, come out and just be, like, these incredible games that people can get hold of easily as well mm-hmm. in Japan and they, the West. They feel like PS2 games... In, in a way like and, and yakuza zero too like, like like real niche stuff getting high production values yeah absolutely like like auto tomato is and i won't stop calling it that but that whole thing was just like a real blast from the past with me it felt like it felt like i was i was running metal gear solid 2 from blockbuster for the weekend again like just this absurdly insane bizarre surreal Japanese thing that makes absolutely no sense having this bombastic orchestral soundtrack with with cinematic cutscenes that have capital D direction like that game had production values and it was about like anime Lolita robots fighting after the post post apocalypse 4000 years from now it's super weird to me that for some reason now of all times I think Japanese games I think there's because there's more of them now it's easier to sort of pick one up and be like oh this this looks like fun but you've got to remember, like, uh, games like Persona 5, which are, you know, one of the best games of the year, that's getting, like, some Game of the Year awards from many places, got, like, 10 out of 10. That game took, like, eight years to make. 
Um, so it it's a good long time, and even games like Nier Automata took like a good you know three four years. But there were games on the PlayStation Three like Yakuza Three and Yakuza Four, amazing games. Like they are very very good games. Oh yeah, just as good as Yakuza Zero. But no one played them. But for some reason now. Yakuza 0 is, like, commercially one of Sega's most successful titles in a long while. Everyone's giving it, like, 9 out of 10 and stuff. It's like, I don't know when the shift came. I don't know if it's because there's more of those games that means more people look at them. I, I, I don't know quite exactly well, what the difference is. Because there was a lot of games on PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360, like Lost Odyssey, which are, you know, really good games that just didn't sell very well then. So I don't know why. The <laughs> blockbuster wow that's a blast from the past <laughs> i i think there's a weird correlation between uh uh let's say 2010 twitch and streaming catch on 2011 to 2013 all of a sudden like esports and competitive gaming catch on around that same time the fighting game community becomes a thing who like kind of sort of have to play really niche obscure japanese games and i have a feeling that like a lot of those guys enthusiasm for weird japanese shit is kind of like spread over into other fan groups of of the gaming uh zeitgeist as well because i think that's around the time i like started to uh appreciate platinum games was was around 20 2013 when uh when the fj fgc was was getting big and a lot of those um <laughs> Uh, a lot of a lot of that kind of kind of self-deprecatory uh, uh, Japanese making fun sense of humor was was catching on, and and that like catched on into a real genuine way of appreciating the stuff as well as making fun of it. I think one of the major things as well with the games that we've seen that have come out, they've definitely taken some inspiration from Western influence. They've looked at they the fact that they were kind of left behind in the previous generation and even sort of in the PlayStation 2 generation by the end of it they were being left behind in sales figures compared to big games like GTA and Mass Effect and all those other big huge western titles that came out and became like staples of the industry they got left behind and they looked okay so what is it about those games that make them sell a lot and then you can see it in games like Breath of the Wild Final Fantasy 15 uh you know they've gone for these huge open world games that have side quests and um they have like a sort of the environment takes a lot more of a character in those games whereas old sort of jrpgs and stuff it was all about the characters and the the mechanics and the world took a sort of backstep a little bit i think um whereas you know if you look at games i i harp on about the witcher 3 again but like if you look at the witcher 3 and like how well that did and the way the the world was really dense and built up there's so much influence from those type of games that have come into japanese games and you can see it in some interviews as well they're like oh we looked at these games like these big western rpgs or these big western action titles and we sort of tried to incorporate or learn from those games and put it into our games so there is there was definitely so- a little bit of a western influence in the japanese market too among among everyone's game of the year list, there's probably going to be shitloads of Japanese contenders on them. Uh, yeah, probably absolutely. more so than Western this year, and and I feel like that's uh, kind of related to how terrible of a PR, <laughs> like how terrible of a year EA's PR department has had. Um, so so one controversy that that people might forget as the year comes to conclude that was more relevant towards the middle of the year was the release of Mass Effect Andromeda. 
which which started a lot of bad blood that continued on throughout the rest of the year. And Matt, you've you've been quiet, but you actually played Andromeda, right? Yeah, I played a few hours, not just like the beginning, but like past like the trial and stuff. And was it, it actually as bad yeah. as everyone made it sound? Really? It's bad. It's bad. I mean, it's it doesn't feel like Mass Effect. If that makes sense. Uh, that makes sense. It, it, like, okay, so let me, let me tell you kind of the thing that bothers me about the game is, for example, you're, you're like a couple planets in, and you get this mm-hmm. new guy um, uh, that's supposed to help you um, um, get, get in contact with a certain somebody. And for the first time, you drop down on this planet, you put him in your party because you need him, and you take another guy. Uh, 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 this in in this case it was uh, I, f- I forgot the girl's name. It was uh, the girl with the white hair. Uh, she comes in your party. We go down, and <laughs> I feel like that's a sign. You already forgot her name. Yeah, it, I, I think it's touch with a C. But during the ride, <laughs> they're talking to each other, and during the ride, they immediately become best friends, like. It's like, oh, um, we've been through so much together. Like, the lines on this game. It, we've been through so much together. Oh, um, you're like a sister to me. Immediately. Like, what the hell is that? Like, it's just randomness like that. Constantly. Maybe she just had a really good day. <laughs> yeah, it's just it, feeling happy. And it, it keeps going. Like, every line after that is them just being almost like down each other's throats. While I'm driving, like I was like, wait a minute, I'm talking to this girl. You're not talking. You just came into here. You ain't got- no, you know, like it, it's oh, it, it frustrated me so much that I I actually stopped playing. Um, uh, of course there was a lot more going on. It, it just it it felt like it it felt like there was uh there there some of the cutscenes, the animations don't get better they it's not just in the beginning of the game um and and, and that's it's it's pretty funny because I, I played another game that's kind of like that like a divinity original sin 2 uh like in the beginning of the game it's like great Ooh. and then near a the end of, of the game you start to see it there... like fail like like Oof. they didn't finish the end of the game and this i have heard a lo- several people like recommend that to me as their game of the year yeah well i mean it's a good game it's a good game but yeah Mass Effect, I I would love to finish it. The combat is fun. Um, I think if you don't think of it as a Mass Effect game, you don't think of that immersive. You know, you if you don't care about animations and you don't care about uh, a character constantly like changing their voice or um, changing uh, their voice it's so weird yeah like changing their voice or you know like the camera zooming up into their face and then zooming back out or clipping if you if you're okay with that type of stuff you know if you like elix right if you like that game you probably would like mass effect you know okay no one and no one everyone everyone in the crowd is just like who's what's elix yeah look yeah yeah explain to us real quick what elix is because i didn't know about it either until you told me just now yeah i i saw like the trailer for this game Uh, a friend was showing me at work and i was like oh man this looks pretty tight like i I, i've been wanting shots look good yeah it's like a dry like no good rpgs are out anymore 
for some reason it's all shooters and stuff and i was just like i want a good rpg to play so badly and i already played the hell out of uh the witcher 3 uh, even though i need to play the D- dlc um and i saw the trailer i was like okay uh th- this this looks pretty good this looks pretty solid i play the game and it's so janky like in the be- from the beginning of the game and and what i was telling you before the podcast started is when you oh. roll, the camera doesn't follow you. It catches up to you when you stop the roll. Oh no, it's Piranha Bites. That means it's like, it's, it's, it's a Eurojank game. <sighs> These, this is from uh, THQ Nordic. Uh, THQ Nordic. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And, and they, don't get me wrong, they make good stuff, but they're like consistently Eurojanky. Yeah, a gothic series. Um, mm-hmm. Supposedly, it's which, a really which good game. Ger- Germans love, but I've I have not really made a lot of friends like from America who like tolerate the jank quite like the Europeans can. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, say it's not. It's beyond it, for people who like the jank. Um, it's beyond Fallout jank. You know, this is this is so, going to another tier of jank. If you can believe it, it's another tier of jank. And supposedly there's a gem it? hidden under all that juice. Okay, um, and uh, if you put the time in and go through some of the difficulty curves, like if you go the wrong way, you just get thrashed, <laughs> thrashed by some like random, random like deer thing. I, I can't remember what it was. <laughs> like it just killed me. And it doesn't so, like so, explain so. to you like uh, it's Bruh. weird. It's a weird combat system. But I mean, I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with getting messed up and learning a combat. I'm I'm okay with that. It's it's just the jank with it. It doesn't make it enjoyable to to play. You're looking at it and it's just like eh. I don't know. So I, I think, don't know if I want to waste my time on this. I'd rather watch some Netflix. I think, I think it's funny that that we segued from a conversation about about Mass Effect Andromeda being janky into a real ass actual jank game being janky, yeah. and and in comparison to like the super high quality Japanese games, what you've been seeing a lot of are the the super big ticket AAA Western games, either being pieces of janky shit or having huge annoying loot boxes attached to them, and I think. Like, people really remember the great glitch crisis of, of 2014, right? When AC Unity came out, everyone's head was, like, <laughs> popping out of their eye sockets and those screenshots were getting passed around. That defined that year's problem in gaming. And, and this year's problem in gaming, I'm pretty sure, is going to be remembered as, as this loot box fiasco in which Battlefront 2, Shadow of War... Uh, this year's Need for Speed sequel, this year's UFC sequel, uh, were all blasted by reviews and, and especially, especially like the angry fans for uh, kind of stifling their in-game progression systems for the sake of, of, of selling loot boxes. I don't, know this, whether, uh, problem... I, I don't know whether I've won this year then because I have actually not played a single game this year that has had a loot oh, box. Oh, yeah, yeah. Me neither. They're easy to avoid. I, I think this is kind of the case where like hardcore crowds are making hardcore noise about something that they don't really buy that much anyway. I played Shadow like, of War, that's pretty much it. They have mainstream licenses like Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and whatnot and, and like Shadow of War, how, how how bad were the loot boxes? Were they bad? Uh, y- you can still finish the game. I didn't buy anything, of course, because I, I don't care to buy stuff. Um, but you can finish the game without it. After the game... That's a different story. There's like a, a true ending that you have to get, and oh, it's it is a grind. Off. Like 
Not a little bit. It's a grind. Oh, and that's where they want you to buy stuff to get the true ending? I, I think so. And, and it, Oh, I hate that shit. I hate that shit when there's not even anything to buy. Because the ending is not really an ending. And then they have you do all this grindy stuff. It, that's what that's Peace Walker. Yes, yes, that's and exactly what Peace Walker People, is. Yes. Like <laughs> Okay. Oh my god. It's exactly like Peace Walker. Oh my god. I remember grinding to get uh, Peace Walker is more entertaining than Shadow of War. I would have to say. <laughs> Wait, and that's version, saying though, something. Because the PSP okay? version was like impossible to play. Oh my god. It, it, yeah, yeah, it was. It because the Xbox because you had to like grind like elite mobs uh elite mobs uh, elite <laughs> orcs okay um like uh epic and uh legendary orcs to 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 like fight these uh these other legendary orcs that are coming to attack your base it's it's annoying it's it's tedious it's it's not fun i i don't know it, it I always enjoyed it in the first game, but now they they made it into a chore and kind of ruined it for me. I would have to say. I I wonder I wonder why they would do such a thing. What what possible uh, incentive or strategy or uh, or purpose could <clears throat> could they could they have used to justify such a baffling decision? Money. Uh, probably. Mm. So I mean, <laughs> but at least like. You you have them making money the bad way people don't like. You have Nintendo making money the good way people do like. Um, you have PUBG making money in a way people are like confused about. You got the loot boxes and the cosmetics, but they are um, <laughs> they are like this year's massive success story. An incredibly small team yeah, all of a so sudden it's have an incredible we amount about, of money on their hand, and we they're totally independent. We were talking about well, kind of totally independent. Jank. Yeah, one of 2017's yeah. biggest. Easily the most <laughs> huge success, 30 million copies sold, is like the jankiest game ever. Yeah. And people are totally cool with it. It's like <laughs> the case where, where I don't know, there's there's definitely games where, where jank is more tolerable than games where they aren't. I have not been able to get into PUBG. I totally understand people who do, though. I see, mm. I, I think I understand the appeal. There are very, very tense, fun moments I've had with it. But um, I don't. I, I'm just like too used to Siege to get into it. But I still really respect what it does, and I also uh, respect the developer's strategy. I respect that they made so much money, kind of, well, not necessarily all by themselves, but but without really having a lot of the the scummy or AAA practices or even like indie game practices, um, skimming that effort off the top. Even though a lot of people would still argue they do. By by launching this this early access game, that is still a point of contention with a lot of fans, especially. Oh, we were just talking about the Xbox version of this, which is thirty dollars, which is not a great version of this. Ugh. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe it depends on who you ask. I am like considering the success of PUBG as like this year's feel good success story, despite. Those issues, I don't know if you guys consider consider it a positive or a negative or something in between, or even if like reducing news stories down to that kind of dichotomy is silly, which it might be. But I think PUBG is pretty positive. I I I don't think there's been anything incredibly bad about it. I mean, towards the end of the year, the Xbox One version that came out was like a disgusting mess that you know people had to shell out. $30 for or whatever. I think that was pretty snidey of Microsoft and what are they called? Blue font or what? Blue 
point blue point. hole blue hole there you go um but in terms of like the rising success of it and the people who you know the stories of the games people have in that game because of how random and intense it can be i think it i think overall it's been a, a super positive thing i think everyone's just having fun there's like no incredibly dastardly bad stuff about it there was the news of the female model camel toe stuff a few weeks ago that was weird but wait really <laughs> yeah. yeah i didn't even know that existed until i saw yeah, that post. there was a news story where they changed the models to the female models to have camel toe oh and to have <laughs> wait a minute yeah, to, to have camel toe to have yeah to have and then i think they reversed it i, I don't know what the update is on that but it was Super weird, super valuable. Maybe they got wow. Maybe maybe they got one of those those Koji Pro uh, Beauty and the Beast modelers to to work on the PUBG team. <laughs> wow. I don't know, but um, I've, I've been playing a lot of that, and <laughs> I'll I'll get into that in a video, anyways. What? But I, I think what? like <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. I think it's been positive. Though. Are you not aroused, Matt? Visual? No. That's the most weirdest thing to do. I thought. I thought they took it out. I thought it was like. I didn't even know it existed. I thought. I. Th- but but they patched it in and then took it out. That's what. I, that's what I'm hearing, right? That's what you're saying, Liam. Oh. oh I, I think- remember the 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 vagina and Watchdogs two that they patched out? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like they they updated the. The public test servers or something, and then someone found out that the the female models now had camel toe, and then everyone was like, "What the fuck? Like, <laughs> why? Why is this something they've implemented now?" And then I think it got changed. Just like imagine seeing that on the bullet point of your patch log, like <laughs> the change log <laughs> now includes camel toe for female textures. I'm, I mean, toe, fun, guys, so, do the guys so have bulges? Like, I'm what's going on? Looking here? at the most recent news story about it, camel yeah. toes in play unknowns battlegrounds won't make it to their live servers as they were an accident. <laughs> Maybe the artist was using it for anatomical reference. I'm sure there's a reasonable explanation behind this. Uh, <laughs> an accident. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. Whoops. In a very specific right. area. Yeah. Well, like, I could understand if they updated the model and it, you know, they had like really good clothes and it like. I don't know. Formed around. I don't know. Like the, the camera scanned way too well. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. And let's be oh, honest, the, the models was way too accurate. I, let's be honest, if, the models in Pubga, Pubga, Pubga are pretty low tier. Yeah, are pretty garbage. Anyway. That's why it makes no sense. It makes no okay. Yeah, but they they okay. they focus on the important details of the models, you know. Of course, you got to be anatomically the, 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 correct. The places characters are going to shove their camera into. So yeah. weird, super weird. Anyway, um, so yeah, let's see. Uh, before we move on to our highlights, really, really quickly, do we have any strong feelings about um Hitman's IO team uh, switching over to Independence? They've left Square Enix. They they kind of like even though they've suffered a lot of layoffs very very shortly afterwards. 
They're um, promising to kind of reinvent the game and offer more content than before as they put out uh, Season 2, which I'd imagine and predict might be kind of shittier than Season 1. But they're um, a lot of their old content that they held back through the, the game of the Square Enix publishing deal is um, steadily tricking out over the years, which I think is good. I wish them the best. Uh, do you guys have any, any other thoughts? Anything to add? I think Hitman's <laughs> your bag, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It, it's, uh, so what they they you think they're leaving because of they had to split the episodes up or I think they're leaving because they weren't meeting Square Enix's stupid sales projection targets <sighs> and uh, they made a both, pretty decent game too. They did. They made a perfectly fine game that would have sold better if it was marketed better and not split up into all these different packages, which right. is not as as revealed through journalism was not necessarily uh, Square Enix's idea. But the the possibility, and also the the prediction and the impression from the developers that that was that decision was made to work with Square Enix's deadline, seems to be the case uh, instead. Because they wanted and, to make a good game and not a garbage game. Yeah, they didn't want to rush it out, yeah. so they split it up. Okay. Uh, I'm hoping that this paradigm of PUBG being so successful and Hitman at least being able to plan new content without a publisher spreads to other game developers as well who can put out like that kind of middle tier double A kind of content quality without any publisher at all. I I I I, I would hope. I mean, eventually, <laughs> eventually, I guess they might become Valve and kind of kind of grow big and. And go through the usual capitalism cycle of becoming bloated and, and uh, having more ways to make money than than make good products. But until then, it's nice to see uh, this kind of competition happening. And I, I I would like to see more stories of publishers kind of tripping and, and falling on their booties and making bad microtransaction schemes and suffering for it. I don't know. Uh, but let's see, we also kind of sort of saw the official death of the Wii U this year. If if memory serves me correctly, well, no Wii U games came out. Um, did did they? Think, well, Breath of the Wild did. Yeah, Breath of the Wild, let's see, when did Pokken come out? 2015? Pokken, sorry. <laughs> um, when did Fire Emblem Fates came out on the Wii U? Fates, Fates didn't come out on the Wii U. Fates came out on the 3DS. Oh, sorry. I'm thinking of the um, Fire Emblem Shop, F-E, Tokyo Mirage called? Sessions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tokyo, Tokyo that was Mirage. 2016. 2016. Yeah. Last so, year. so what was there anything other than Breath of the Wild that that was released of note on the Wii U? No, because we will get into it soon enough. But there was no reason to. <laughs> essentially, there was some eShop stuff. I think that was released for the Wii U, but. That that's, that's they, it. it was crappy. Yeah. yeah, I remember looking at the new releases and just being so depressed the last couple times I booted it up. And, and oh I don't boy. think anyone cared. Like no one cared. The Meverse is gone. The Meverse death was sad. <laughs> oh yes. no, that was sad. I can't believe that's one, one of the sadder stories. But yeah. But anyways, uh, we're gonna get into our highlights uh, very very shortly after this quick break. Sozo 
生き残った者にボスの称号を受け継ぐお互いの宙を尽くせさあ来い立ちするメタルギアソリッドスネークイーター So, we're getting back into our,、uh, our, our highlights of the year, in which we're going to talk about news stories we thought were the most fun, personal stories we thought were the most fun.、Um, yeah, you know, games that are the most fun. Don't necessarily interpret that as a game of the year, though. I've got, I've got a long list of asterisks after my stuff on my section, but let's、uh, begin with Liam. Liam, what was your highlight of the year for, for 2017、okay. in relation to its video games? So, I think predictably, everyone who、uh, listens to Final Games or listens to this and knows me. Will know that my 2017 highlight is definitely without a shadow of a doubt the Nintendo Switch in general.、Um, so, the Nintendo Switch released earlier this year. I can't believe it, it only came out this year. It feels like it's been around for quite a while now, considering just the huge amount of games that has been released just within the first year of this you know, console. It released what? 3rd of March、uh, this year with. And it, ar- it has arguably... like two potential system sellers already. Yeah. yeah, and like it launched with arguably the best game in one of the most well known franchises of all time on it.、Um, just like, here, have a Zelda game to go with your brand new portable console that you can play. You can play console esque versions like you would on a TV on the bus. Or on the train, or in the barbers, or when you're at a restaurant. <laughs> like, I was playing Breath of the Wild everywhere I could. In my car, when I was waiting for the train,、uh, I was playing it on the bus to Osaka to meet George. It, I, can't, I can't believe how. I, I think the Switch is this weird. Antithesis to Nintendo's sort of philosophy about how they do things usually. It's very meticulously planned.、Uh, you know, it's very Japanese the way Nintendo do things, but it was almost Apple like in the way Nintendo didn't tell us anything about the Nintendo Switch until the reveal, which was only last October, a year and like two months ago. <laughs> We, we that, didn't even it、know. never happens that fast. It never happens like, that fast. And not that since was the, the Sega Saturn. And that was like, just the reveal. That close to the announcement. It's crazy. It was just it a was reveal. It was not a good sign. Like, everyone was kind of anticipating the worst after the Wii U and the, like,、yeah. kind of rush job of, of. Yeah, like, there actually was kind of a rush job to both、um, marketing, explaining, selling the Switch, and also getting the operating system up to snuff on time. People, like, couldn't transfer、exactly. their save games and stuff over. And, and not only that, but it's still you know, all the rumors. <laughs> really well. All, all the rumors had come out that. You know, it was going to be this portable hybrid device, and people were like, oh, it's going to be, you know, Wii U powered shitty device. People down automatically on it. Like, why would you want this console that you can plug into your TV that isn't that powerful and then carry it around with you when you've got a 3DS or something like that? And then, you know, it comes to January, and they have their event in January where they finally announce that Breath of the Wild will be a launch title. And this is three months before the console's coming out. And pre orders aren't even up yet. And it's like, oh god, this, this does not bode well. And it, did Nintendo know what they're doing? This is weird. So then you skip forward three months and it, it sells out completely. Breath of the Wild gets 10 out of 10s. It gets, you know, we're sitting at the end of the year. It's won all of the Game of the Year awards. It personally is one of the best experiences I've played this year. 
And then everyone's thinking, oh, okay. Okay, so we have this console, we have a great Zelda game, but are there going to be games released for it this year that are going to keep up? Not only were there games released this year, there were phenomenal amounts of good games from Nintendo, like Splatoon 2, ARMS, Mario Kart. Then we had Mario Odyssey, which is personally, I think, my favorite game of the year. And... On top of that, it turns out that the the Switch is incredibly easy to develop for. So we had all these amazing indie developers who had made great indie games like Rocket League and Overcooked and Golf Story and Thumper. They were just like, oh, it turns out the Switch is super easy to port stuff to. So we'll just like quickly put together our ports and we'll just throw it onto the Switch so you can buy it. So we're, we're sitting in December talking about the highlights of the year, and, and we had a cons- we had two consoles launched this year, technically. One that has took the world by storm, and the other one is, you know, the Xbox Scorpio, so <laughs> deal with that as you will. But oh, that's the out. Switch has, I think I have, like, 20 games for the Switch. And that isn't even, like, half of the catalogue of games that are out for it. I don't even, I don't even think there has been a console launch in its first year that has ever been as good in terms of like games quality and and i think one thing to note is that breath of the wild is such a radically different zelda game yeah and um the switch doesn't seem like a radically different nintendo console but it does seem like they're like doing very radically different strategies in terms of of uh, a lot of marketing and design and visual stuff it does that typical nintendo thing where nintendo gives you what you thought you didn't want it, and it, it turns out you wanted it, and that you really they, they show what it's like, yeah. what it's well made. It's like, do I want this thing that I'm going to carry around with me? It's quite, it's quite big. The screen is not 1080p, but I can't stop playing it, and the I want to take it everywhere with me, and I play it at every opportunity. I, I you know, I went to the UK recently. And having the Switch with me, playing like Mario Odyssey on the plane, playing Xenoblade Chronicles 2, uh, being able to just bust out the Switch at like a Christmas party I went to last week when I played Mm -hmm. the Super Nintendo games, to just being to Salmon Run on Splatoon, because the people I was with also had Switches. It's like the most weirdly versatile console anyway. And that I guess that's its selling point. But then... The back, I just can't believe the first changer. year back catalog is just so full of N- Nintendo first party titles and great third party games like Doom and Skyrim and it's so oh, weird. Yeah, they ported Doom over. It's weird. Like there's this portable handheld console <laughs> that is playing like a 60 FPS version of Doom. Like did what you the fuck? did you see that that famous tweet in, in 2017? Every in 2016 rather, everyone thought Nintendo was doomed. In 2017, Nintendo has Doom. (laughs) (laughs) It's so... It's it's an incredible story. Credits to the original author. Even if you're not a fan of Nintendo, I obviously am, and I've grown up playing Nintendo games, and being able to have a a radically different Zelda game that is just wonderful, having the chance to also meet Alnuma-san this year and speak to him about Breath of the Wild was fantastic, and then playing Mario Odyssey, which is, I think, one of the most joyous games I've played in so long. Wait, um, wait! You got to meet and talk with Aonuma. Yeah, I, I got to have What's a few like? uh, shochus earlier this year at Bit Summit in Japan and speak to the the man himself a little bit about. That's Breath that's of the Wild. that's a that's a flavor of sake, right? Yeah, shochu. It's like a certain yeah, I knew that. Alcohol, 
Um, so 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 what's he like? I'm 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 a little curious. Just just to, you know to keep it quick to keep it quick. But, um, uh, he's very nice. He's very funny, and he is a, he he might have been a little tipsy at the time because um, <laughs> we were all having a nice little party. Uh, but he was super nice guy. He signed my Breath of the Wild cart because I didn't have the box. I only had the cart in my <laughs> Switch with me. Did you get him to lick it? No, I, it, he he knows oh. better than anyone not to lick those cards. <laughs> oh yeah, because he knows what 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 toxic shit they put in there to make it taste so bad. <laughs> he knows exactly what's gone into it, probably. Um, but yeah, it just topped off like this incredible year for Nintendo. I think, and for me personally, um, the Switch has just been like a super positive thing. Like it's not that expensive. Uh, the only thing downside is it's been hard to get hold of but once you got hold of it there was this whole range of video games to play from like you don't have to just play zelda or mario if that's not what you're into you can play like doom or skyrim um and you can play this wealth of indie games like golf story which is really fun you can play sonic mania there's just all of these yeah it, it almost seems like if you want to like ask okay was this game relevant in the past two years and was it below a like i don't know let's say five million dollar production budget it's probably on the switch or planning to be on the switch exactly they're getting duck game even like like all the big indie <laughs> yeah, games and all London. those like mid-tier double a's are are ending up on the switch yeah and it's incredible it just to how we got here from it's a, a year and two months ago not knowing what it even looked like apart from like someone's shitty drawing on a napkin or something to <laughs> being here and talking about not only is there i think like four games on that console that are up for multiple game of the year nominations but the console itself is it's more powerful than i think we expected i mean it runs Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild, which are two incredibly looking games. I mean, it has its cut corners, of course, because it's a portable console at the end of the day. Um, but it, it it's great, and I'm looking at it right now, and I, I just want to like stroke it because it's it's brought me immense joy. <laughs> this wow, year. that's wow. Yeah. One thing led to another, and, and yeah. don't let anyone walk in on you with your Switch. I guess. Yeah, taking my yeah, joy comes really... out. I'm going to be buying one soon. I'm really looking forward to it after the critical close-up. What I think is going to be real appealing to me, and what does just kind of seem appealing about the Switch, is that it seems like such a profitable, appealing market for developers who want to make a video game at, like, what is my favorite budget level for video games? Yeah, like, I Which is enough to which... have the cool production values, but not so much that they need to, like, play it safe and, and, yeah, and over-market a really generic top 40s I, kind of game. I can't remember which indie developer it was, but some indie developer ported their game to the Switch, and they were like, I think they tweeted saying, oh, to other prospective indie developers, you really should uh, port to the Switch, because we saw our revenue way surpass our Steam sales Holy and our, like, our major platforms already. So pe- people who own the Switch who see like these 10 to $12 games are just like buying... like just buying them every week yeah it's weird yeah a console full of like good 10 to 20 dollar games sounds like sounds like my ideal future as well and and it's also not junk games with microtransactions and drm it's it's anyways it's just turned out so great but yeah my 2017 highlight is definitely the nintendo switch as a whole uh matt 
Matt, you've been pretty quiet, but but, but you did say <laughs> you had a list of, of highlights. Oh, well, not a list of highlights. I, I was just saying I, I had a list of games. Oh, well, because I... um Okay, so for me, my highlight would probably be the Japan trip. Um, oh, as far, that's a highlight. That that is definitely a highlight of the year in terms of games. Um, in terms of games, I, I mean, I played Pyre, Wolfenstein Two, Divinity. Oh, I uh, forgot about Pyre. Yeah, uh, Destiny Two, Hellblade. That 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 deserves a mention. Uh, Battle Chef, of course. Uh, Mario, um, Zelda, Botwa, um, Botwa, <laughs> uh, you know, Zelda Shadow of War, DSX, FF14, Steam Dug, oh. Steam Dug World 2, and Sonic Mania. A, a, a few games, but the thing, the thing that really gets my blood boiling, um, out of all those, even like Divinity Original Sin 2, which was. Pretty good, a pretty good game. I was I had for a game like that that I'm usually not into the strategy types of games, uh, especially when it comes to the RPG format, uh, like uh, Pillars of Eternity, for instance. I, I never really get into a combat like that. Um, I play strictly for the story. But in Divinity, you really like the first one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Pill- Pillars or Divinity? No, no, I mean Divinity. No, I never played the first one. Never played the first one. I just skipped oh. directly to part two. And it's it was pretty good. It's pretty solid. Um, I would say near the near the, the the second half, it starts to show signs of unfinishedness. You know, there's some glitches with some quests. There's some really broken encounters with enemies. Um, you know, an enemy where puts down a, a cursed fire. But when the enemy walks around, he puts down cursed fire. So every time you hit him, he teleports with cursed fire around. And what you have to do to, and you you can't just rain and uh, remove cursed fire. You have to heal it with a limited resource that you have. So basically, you can't kill this guy without like trapping it somehow. Uh, it's the most. It, there's a lot of little things like that. Um, and plus, like a little glitched uh, quest, so it was a really a little bit weird. So it definitely doesn't take the top spot, I, and I wouldn't say game of the year. Resident Evil uh, Seven was very fun as well. I don't know if everyone forgot about that as well. Um, but oh yeah, no, I, I, I game, remembered it. I think yeah. in general you can just say 2017 was a damn good game, like year for games in I, general. I think. One of the reasons why it has avoided mention up to this point is because um, Capcom's team on that game weren't a lot of them actually in in Western studios this time for Resident Evil. No, I, I, I think know they there, got... were, there was a lot of Western hands on, but most it was yeah, all yeah. internally in Japan. And development. you can kind of tell when you're playing it; like it seems um, a lot, a lot kind of less wacky and surreal than the Resident Evil norm. Like there's no Chris Redfield punching boulders. <laughs> it's uh. It's 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 mute. It's a muted take on American poverty that still kind of has a the sense of humor struck me as not really Japanese either. Like like it's not a it's it's more sarcastic and subtle than you see in a lot of Japanese games writing. And I think they actually hired on the writer for the Fear series for this one. 
And I, I think that's like Resident Evil itself like presents an interesting paradigm shift in how Japanese games are being handled because that's a series that was kind of made more for appealing to Western markets. I believe that was the case, anyways. Like they um, researched American locations, hired American actors to write a story that was in English in the Japanese version. But um, since then, now they're like kind of finally handing the reins to Americans who grew up as fans of the Resident Evil games as kids and are now putting a, a, a spin on it that I don't. I don't know if it like feels more authentically Resident Evil because it's so divorced from tone, but it's also more authentically Resident Evil in gameplay. <laughs> it's like kind of interesting how they went in two different directions to land at the same origin point, which was rebooting Resident Evil in the style of classic Resident Evil. Did you ever finish the game? I did not. I played the first three hours of it at Colin's house in VR. Oh, so you never actually... Oh, okay. So you don't... You, you didn't and don't get, get all me the wrong. Good... I want to, but... It gets really I don't, goofy. I don't you know that, right? It got really goofy. Yeah, it got really goofy as soon as the the dinner scene happened, and that was only like twenty minutes in. Oh, so wait, did you did you fight the first boss? Yeah, yeah, the guy that you burn up and then the car smacks into him, and I, oh, I, but like, you never, you... I laughed out loud at, at multiple points in this game. Like it had a sense of humor to it. See, there, there's a, some something that happens when he gets in the car. He starts driving around trying to kill you. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that. I I played like a good three hours of it. You, you were there. I think you were asleep though. No, no, no. I was I was there, but I uh, you missed it. You missed that part. I'm pretty sure you missed oh, that part. Wow. And we were telling you about it. We we're like, oh, dude, you, like it's so cool when he gets in the car. Blah blah blah. Yeah, that that was like my <laughs> first experience with it. Like my first battle with him. He like gets in the car and tries to run me over. I'm like, we're in a garage. What are you doing? <laughs> Where it's, are you gonna go? It's so, oh, it's so good. It's so good. Um, that's my honorable honorable mentions. Um, Hellblade is also good. It's just repetitive in some in some parts. Um, I really like the combat. Some people didn't like the combat. I I, I enjoyed that game. Uh, really good visuals. Um, some really cool boss fights in there. Um, very short, not too hard. Um, if you die in that game, you, you have to restart the whole game, but it's not that hard. Um, yeah, yeah, it sucks, but it's not that hard. Um, good game. Um, but my like my favorite game, I would have to say, is Hollow Knight. Uh, Hollow Knight's a pretty damn good which game. Is, oh, that did come out in 2017, didn't it? Hollow Knight was... Yeah, yeah, February. Yeah, February. Feb- oh, that was during like the spring rush of really good games. Oh my See, god! See, now that's a game I cannot wait to come onto the Switch. Like, what yeah, are cool come with the DLCs too. Like, come on, guys, hurry up! I'm hurry buying up it on already. the Switch again. Like, I, I'm gonna buy it again. And I, I, I'm not a type of person to play a game again. This game, I'm going to play again, and I'm gonna buy it on the Switch to have it with me all the time. And try How to beat every that? single boss that's in there. Because there's like the the beginning layer where you defeat a boss. And then there's like that extra layer where you, you go inside and um, these like uh, secret areas. If you, you know, look for them and you fight these harder bosses. And it's it's fantastic. It's fantastic. It, it The game, I love when the game is hard. But it's hard when the mecha- the mechanics just work. You know, it's not punishing you for just just dumb animation and dumb uh, game feel, I guess you can call it. You know, your, how your character feels, how your character moves, how your attacks affect enemies. 
just all that just feels tight, controlled, and the bosses are balanced with that. And it's great. So it's a little, mm, little, mm. I, I love that game. I love that game. Um, <laughs> after playing, like I rarely, I rarely like a game these days. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I play a game and I'm just like, okay, that was cool. You know, like Resident Evil 7, like I, I liked the game. I really liked the game. I, um, Divinity Original Sin, liked the game. Some, but there's always something wrong. But Hollow Knight, I really enjoyed myself, like all the way through. And that's really rare. Um, you know. I'm looking forward to giving it a try. And I, I will be buying a Switch after the release of my next video. When I can cool down again, I'm going to be relaxing with that. And I, I, I totally would love to play it on that first. And I have to wonder, you mentioned buying it twice yeah. for uh, if it if it did come out on the Switch. And I have to wonder if like that's it an does. actual real contributing factor to their strategy. Yeah. Like, like so many indie games get re-released on the Switch. And I hear every time it happens, so many people say, oh, God damn it, I'll just buy it again. And meanwhile, you look League at these again. sales figures. Yeah, you look at sales figures for Rocket League on the Switch. And Rocket League is a game everyone already has. Yeah. And the sales figures are <laughs> enormous yeah. and it's like making a platform that can do this portably suddenly like presents a viable not even alternative but like complementary way to play the same games you've already bought if they if they standardized a way to make the same uh ports of games purchasable under the same accounts on, on multiple platforms i bet people would be more mad about that you know it's weird but, I, uh, think it, I think the philosophy is and this holds true with a lot of people i've spoken to just, I want every game to be released on the Switch. <laughs> I just, I, just I want think that's e what Gabe Newell said about Steam when when that was being launched. He was like, "I envision a future where every game is on Steam." I want to be able to play just any game anywhere because the Switch has spoiled me. Like, why can I not play? You know, <laughs> why can't I play flipping Dark Souls on the train? It's not fair. I want. <laughs> Oh, I want gosh. I want to play I want to play any game at any time anywhere. The Switch is games ruined these every days. Game. Games these days have so much grinding and collectathoning. You might as well do it while you're like trying to stay busy anyway. Uh, exactly. Well, so speaking of games with grinding and collectathoning, um, <laughs> George, my favorite highlight. game this year was actually not a game that you spend endlessly grinding and collectathoning. Near Automata has some of that, but not nearly eh, as, eh. As, as bad as its predecessors or its contemporaries in the field. This is a really, really big, long game that has you wandering in a desert, filling out side quests for, for not very exciting rewards. But the side quests are all um like folded in really tightly to this like amazing cohesion of themes that that gradually reveals more and more different ways to play with crazy thought experiments about these themes as you go on and on and and the uh you're it's really really unfortunate how the game's structured and marketing marketed you got to play through it multiple times right to to get the the quote unquote true ending but that's such a misnomer i think one of the big problems with it actually is is playing too harshly on the endings because uh, you have what's called an A route. You, you play through the game as a character and, and get an ending A where credits roll. And that story is the very first story you're going to do. And it's not really that great of a story. 
but your your B route, I, I had a blast with that. And, and during C, D, and E, like my jaw was just dropping. The game was all I could think about all week when I was playing through it. I was having a really, really awesome time just kind of like bundling up under the covers playing this weird Japanese thing with great production values that felt like like a weird PS2 game I had rented from Blockbuster back in the day and 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 so I go make a, a like really really sappy sentimental video about like how how interesting I think this thing is and and I tweeted about it before the video came out and and I think during my tweet I I gave one like negative qualifier to make it sound like I wasn't gushing too hard <laughs> and all of a sudden hell broke open <laughs> oh, oh bunny hop is is the hugest biggest dumbest idiot of the year because he tweeted about how Nier Automata might have been a bit too long because you got to deal with like all these fake out ending credit sequences that don't actually end anything and, and and meanwhile, you have, like, <laughs> important shit-tier e-celebs who, who are, like, my colleagues, like, calling me out on being wrong about the endings being inconclusive. When, son, those endings are inconclusive. They weren't real endings. Point is, I hate that, like, that's the final moment I have to remember my experience with that game on. And I, I really, really wish I could just game. remember playing it and enjoying it. You do, <laughs> but don't talk about it on Twitter. Like, yeah. for some or, reason. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're just the, repeating that, yourself. You're just going to get more shit, so. The, the anime avatars on Twitter who really like Yoko Taro games want you to like them in their own specific way, or else your liking of their game is not valid and proof that you're dumb. God! Ah! anyways so it's really like that was my highlight of the year it's like sad it's like uh, it's it started off fairly early on around spring march was going on to april and like every single time i made a video throughout the rest of the year i just could not stop thinking about that incident it was a really really powerful moment and i hated it but but kept chugging through anyway and um played some good ass games since uh, since, like, my, my opinion and memories of Nier Automata is so divisive, I don't know if I would objectively say that is my game of the year. And I'm going to be actually playing Prey. When I finish up Critical Close-Up with Metal Gear Solid 4 and before I do my year in review, I'm going to play through Prey, and Prey looks like my jam. It looks like a George game that I've been wanting to come out for years. Uh, there's a lot of fans who are recommending it to me. They say it's right up my alley, and I can't wait to give it a shot, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping that that'll be the big, the big ticket, AAA, expensive, $60 full release that'll be my game of the year if not i am cool though because i did end up reviewing a shitload of good games that did like two or three really interesting things but people might not remember them super well for not setting the world on fire these uh games i would include in that list are, are stuff like um a hat in time oh a hat in time is incredibly cute underappreciated game like i've actually read reviews who argue that its controls are more precise and polished than mario odyssey's and it has it there's much much less content in comparison you can 100 percent this thing in less than 10 hours but it has such a like cute adorable likable wonderful little style to it that oh i'm gonna miss it already i like Um, grinding for freaking wounds man yeah, you, you just get to the point. And all the levels, the optional levels that um, represent like the high level in game grinding stuff are some of the most fun levels in the whole game. Like, I had a blast repeating them over and over and over again for hours. Like, if you're losing, you know you're having fun. And I lost it several of those on streams for hours. And once you finally get the thingy at the end of the, the collectathon platforming challenge, it feels so good because the controls are like always in control. You always know what you're doing. Anyways. <gasps> Uh, yeah, no, A Hat in Time. People might forget about A Hat in Time, and that's a shame, because yeah, it's forgot. really good. Um, 
Yeah, Edith Finch. Do you remember that. Edith Finch, guys? I played Edith a little Finn, bit of that. Any I, love? I played a little bit of that. Uh, it's very interesting. I I didn't expect that uh, at all. So uh, I want to finish it, but I I I, I haven't. What is it? Is it is it a, a walking simulator type game? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a gone home walking simulator with shitloads of little mini games that represent the stories the characters right. are going through, and they're like di- divided up into an almost um like mini game collection kind of thing. Like the gone home abandoned house is a mini game collection of mini games that spell out the stories of of the the people and their weird family history inside the house. And um, I don't know, as is the case with always those things, I found myself vulnerable to its themes, vulnerable to its uh, sappy moments of, of sentimental storytelling. I loved it. People are probably going to forget about it because it didn't set the world on fire. Whatever. Loved it regardless. Um, what else? For Honor. For Honor was a really big deal for a couple Wait, weeks. Wait, that came out this <laughs> Wait, year? Yeah. yeah, super early on. Whoa, I and, thought that um, was last year. Oh, God. Yeah. That died. 2017 was just like, it did. And that's also really sad. And people are not going to remember it, but it was a really good game. <laughs> like, like a third person multiplayer over the shoulder, highly technical fighting game with, uh, with, with netcode people didn't like and, uh, microtransactions that, that made it feasible to pay to win. And those two missteps are, are what's going to be the death of this thing, which is a huge, Huge bummer to me, but what what I see, unfortunately, I didn't get to play a lot of the big ticket ones, partially because I wanted to wait till the end of the year to buy a Switch, so I missed out on that whole party. But I was playing the shit out of a lot of my friends' Switches, so I still I still know <laughs> what a Mario Odyssey is, um, and 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 I quite enjoyed the two hours of it I played. It was adorable, but I think like what my experience with the year shows is that even the eight out of ten forgettable games of this year were really good this year. Totally. Like, like it pains yeah. me to say that because I'm just saying that because I'm like they had the only reason those games were like eight out of ten and kind of forgettable is because the games that did set the world on fire were just of such a huge high standard right now. This like, like s- if if Fur yeah. Honor came out any other year, it would have been a bigger deal. If a Hat in Time came out any other year, other if a Hat in Time didn't have to compete with Mario Odyssey for this year's best hat themed platformer. <laughs> it uh it, it it would have it would have done very very well but I, I guess what's unfortunate is that they might not make their good sales but that team should be extremely proud of what they pulled off it's funny you say that because we're talking about you know the highlights of 2017 and what has stuck out to us personally but there's so many as you said there's so many games out there i mean we haven't even mentioned games like horizon zero dawn you know south park the fractured but whole there's like as much as it was weird but you know yeah Shadow can't cover them War, all there was cuphead you know neo oh Evil yeah Wooden cuphead 2. was something i fell in love with for a week too and kind of forgot about later <laughs> but damn that was a good ass week Whoa. gravity rush 2 that game came out too mario Ra- rabbits gravity rush. yeah Wait gravity rush 2 it's not that's not the weird uh japanese game is it let me see it, here. C- it could be considered a weird Japanese well, game. It's, it's a cute Japanese game, kind of. I remember seeing kinda. a big poster with a girl with scantily. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, you're yeah. not wrong. Okay. You're not wrong. Okay, I remember Again, seeing that in the yeah. store, right next to like the the cutesy uh, like Mario um, freaking uh, poster. I mean. It's definitely one of the more like least lewd revealing say, outfits yeah, a video game girl more can wear. Than most Japanese games. Yeah. Okay. It may not. But be I can. This. It. 
It's it's not like that bad, but I definitely can see how that's how you remember the ads for it. Okay, yeah, I remember seeing this in Japan. I was just like, uh, what's this? <laughs> oh, and it was the Japanese ads too. Yeah, like yeah. That, <laughs> it, it might, you know. <laughs> that just means they're working as intended. Yes, yes. <laughs> Welcome to my local game store shopping. (laughs) Your local game slash porn store, one-stop shopping. (laughs) They're just like across the shelf from each other. But I think we can basically Uh, just say 2017 was a very good year for games. Very good year. Even the like bad games that I played this year were really good this year. And I I really wish I could uh, get into better habits about... I'm just, like, afraid to touch the AAAs so often because I'm afraid of getting burnt. But it it seems like this year there were some very safe choices. We were talking about loot boxes, and Mm -hmm. none of us really played any game that contained them, which is proof enough. There were good-ass alternatives coming out of Japan, probably. (laughs) There's proof that there are plenty of games out there that you can play instead of playing Star Wars Battlefront 2 or Shadow or something. Even though we did touch on loot boxes and, and, and how shitty they are, most of the news from this year has been pretty positive. Pretty darn positive. Yeah. And uh, I think I think that's a good uh, high, high happy note to end it on. But before we wrap up, we are going to do one. <laughs> since we did uh, viewer emails, answers, uh, questions and answers last week, we're going to go do, 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 do. How does the Family Feud theme go? We're going to play Guess That Game or something. Do we even have a real name for this game? No? If you have have topics or suggestions that you want us to guess during this game that we're going to play with Liam, in which he's going to give us clues to guess for a game title with, send them to... Hang on, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Dads and Sons Podcast at gmail.com. You made the email. How could you forget? It's so easy. It was dad and sons, or dads and sons, or if there were like punctuation marks, I just wanted to be sure. Who puts punctuation in email addresses? Dickheads. That's why I made sure not to. (laughs) That would make you the dickhead. I didn't. So I'm good. I'm in the clear. So that's dads and sons. The and is not a punctuation. It is fully spelled out. The sons are plural with no uh, apostrophe because it's not a possessive at gmail.com. And what we're going to do is guess the name of a game that Liam knows and me or, and Matt do not. Or, 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 oh, oh, that's right. Because it was a uh, Pauline last week, right? Or last two time or other. Two weeks ago. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. but so, today is a character actually. What you got for us? So today is a let's, character. Let's hit it off. Game. Oh boy. Uh, so you playing <laughs> you at don't home. say. Please don't Google. Matt and George are not allowed to Google either. If so you hear my best. keyboard tapping, yell at me to stop. It's funny because the demon we Souls We can all one... hear you. <laughs> <laughs> How is it that funny? It's just, it's not, guys, oh. Just in case you don't get that joke because you are listening to the YouTube one is because we had to clear out all that (laughs) from last week. Oh, Matt, I can't believe you just tapped on your keyboard on the, (laughs) 12 years in the can. Your parents must be ashamed. I can't believe you would do such a heinous war crime. Oh, my God. Anyway. Anyway, getting into anyway. the game. So this week we have a character because the we got some feedback about the Demon Souls one being a little too easy for our audience. 
Um, so we're going to go with a character this time. I haven't gone too wild with it, but we'll see how yeah, you let's fare. See. Let's see how you fare. So it, it better not be like it, <laughs> some be Japanese, Japanese name and some, yeah. Some, some character from Gravity <laughs> Rush too. Oh. <laughs> or, yeah, or like, you're laughing like, the, like the, that. I'm looking up Gravity Rush two characters right now as we speak. JoJo's bizarre adventure for the Dreamcast hit me. Let's, hey, let's that's see what game. I'm not gonna guess. That's a, that's a damn good game. Anyway, yeah, getting into is. the game. So, for if you're joining us for the first time, the game is very easy. I will give a clue. Uh, I have five clues about this character, and we will segment it. So after each clue, George and Matt will have the chance to sort of discuss and then guess but you only get one guess because last time yeah it was a little mess wholesomely cheated and matt won thanks no george who won no no george um, won george won you because i gave him a clue basically yeah exactly okay so we're gonna we're gonna gonna structure it a little better this time okay so you guys at home as well can guess so let's kick it off with the first clue so this character featured in a game that released on November 29th, 2016. Oh, new. Okay. That's... How hard can this be? Pfft. I bet it's going to be real easy. Fall release last year. That narrows it down by a lot. Uh... <laughs> okay. Okay. Next clue. Next clue. I'm, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> number two. Okay, we're going to go straight into number two. All right. The game oh, re- uh-huh. is part of one of the most renowned game series in the world. Oh, okay, God. so yeah, major sequel, last year holiday season. This narrows it down even further. I bet it's not Watch Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Renowned for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, okay. Renowned series. What's, um, did we? When did GTA Five re-release? Was that to 2015, or was the original out on 2015? I don't know. We can't Google anything. <laughs> what was it? Call of Duty Infinite Warfare? <laughs> well, it's a character we're looking for, so that's not really a guess, is it? Okay, yeah. I think we need more clues yeah. if we're going to do Damn a character. I, I feel like I... I uh, fall? Fall? You said fall, right? Last year? November. Yeah, November 29, 2016. Oh, okay. What? Deus Ex didn't come out in November, did it? Oh, I don't know if it came out in November, but it's definitely a renowned video game series. Right. I don't remember that guy's name. <laughs> I don't remember it. How do I not remember his name? I like that game. JC didn't. No, not JC didn't. Um, um, <laughs> Jesse Pinkman. No, Adam Jensen. Answer. Yeah. Why did I remember the name of the voice actor before the character? <laughs> no, you didn't. You remembered the. You remembered the guy from the first Days X. That's his name. And then JC. I remembered Elias Tufexis, who, oh, who right. I'm horribly mispronouncing. <laughs> I don't think that's anyways. it. Is it? Is no, is it's it? not. It's, it's a not. character, yeah. though. No, yeah. and that was a guess. So we're going to move on to the third clue. All right. All right. This character is an heir to a throne, making him a prince. <gasps> oh, I know what it is. Oh, that's easy. Oh, you gave it away with that one. Go, go ahead, because I, I actually it's, don't know. It's Final Fantasy 16? Oh. Or are they at... No, 15. They're at 15 right now. Right. Yeah. So the character would be Noxus. Noctis? Noctis is the correct answer. Noctis is not the correct answer. Noctis is the correct answer. Yes, it is Noctis Lucius Kalen from Final Fantasy XV. 
Uh, the fourth clue was, during his journey, he is accompanied by three of his best bros for the best bromance road trip of all time. And number oh, five, and he was designed... if we didn't get it at that point, we would he, have been real yeah, exactly, idiots. Exactly, right? He is designed by Tetsuya Nomura and voiced by a good friend of mine, Mr. Ray Chase. So, there you go. Who do you yeah, not I, know? I don't Japan. know these days. <laughs> you get Everyone around, huh, sort of connection. Hmm. I do. I sleep around in the video game industry, that's for sure. Yeah. You were just telling us you are, what a, like... <laughs> giggly old man a- even with a Anuma? yeah wow 2017 2017's been a yeah. 2017's been a good year <laughs> well but, trying to change the subject here are we Liam yeah yeah, yeah. so, so when you so, want to hear so about what about Liam's... you guys at home how did you do did you get Noctis Lucius Calum how did you get it faster than these two Tell, tell us. Also, send us your game name suggestions. What should <laughs> oh we call this? Oh my god! Segment? Uh, we're we're gonna call this uh, segment that segment with the questions. <laughs> um. Anyways, do we uh, have any any final remarks? Any last thoughts we want to say about the year before we wrap up? Because I think we. We hit a lot of the big, uh, major obvious points. I'm sure there's some more uh, small niche stories that we didn't cover. But like Liam was saying actually earlier, you can't talk about everything in 2017. No. You gotta. It's a good year. Yeah. You gotta set aside some time, some real time, if you want to cover everything. But uh, I guess we'll see how much uh, I can manage to cover in a video coming out. Let's uh, say four weeks from now. We got critical close up and then year interview and then some some more interesting newsy topics once i'm done with those but until then uh bye also, everyone also if oh, you're yeah. interested i'm going to be talking a little more about the the eight games i thought were overall the best to take with you to a deserted island soon eight. on the the final end of year eight episode of final games so if you want to check that out it'll be up some point next uh, before this episode actually It'll be up already at www.soundcloud.com forward slash Final Games Podcast, or you can search for it on iTunes at Final Games as well. You said eight Until games? Until then. Oh. <laughs> Until then. <laughs> Until then. Anyways, L- Liam, you, you said eight games? <laughs> yeah, the eight games to take oh, you to a deserted <laughs> island. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, go, go, go ahead, Lee. I didn't hear all that because over my yelling. Go ahead. <laughs> Damn it. I think we should just leave.